future, talk radio will actually educate, inspire, and make you think. The future is now. Topics and music that affect your life from Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at ubnradio.com. She's passionate about telling stories of amazing women who are rocking the world and empowering women to live, love, and thrive. Here's your host, Katherine Gray. Thank you, and welcome to Live, Love, Thrive, Women's Empowerment Hour, brought to you by 360karma.com. Today, we have two incredible ladies. Uh, we're going to be talking with Annette Shapiro, who is the top fundraiser for nonprofits in Los Angeles. And later in the show, we're going to have on the beautiful and talented celebrity photographer, Brooke Mason. But first up, please give a warm welcome to the incredible Annette Shapiro. Hi, Annette. Hi, how are you? You always uh, inspire me uh, and a lot of people because you're one of the most dynamic uh, women that I've met in Los Angeles in that you have been uh, fundraising and moving and shaking and making things happen for the better in Los Angeles for many decades. Uh, you are now 85, which six, six, 86. 86. Oh my God. Every time I interview you, it's a, <laughs> I, I, a lot of times passed, right? Um, you are featured in my uh, web series called Live, Love, Thrive on YouTube. You are featured in our Live, Love, Thrive book uh, that's on our Live, Live, uh, Thrive shop. Uh, dot com. And uh, you were just featured a panelist at my uh, conference called Live, Love, Thrive. So you've been a very integral part of our platform about empowering women. And uh, I just think you're you're an icon in that uh, arena um, and inspire so many other women. You know, fundraising, uh, which is what you are so good at, um, is such a gift. Uh, you and I were just talking about so many people uh, don't know how to fundraise, and, and and fundraising actually isn't just for nonprofits. I mean, fundraising is also for, for you business. know launching businesses, and and that's why it's just an invaluable uh, talent and gift. And I'm hoping today we can share some of the reasons that you're successful with it that will help other women to be able to be successful at it too. Um, but first, I want to talk about your background and why you're such a philanthropic person. So I think it starts with your and. Ancestry. I know your grandfather uh, traveled here from um, Russia, right? From Russia. Yeah. And you were telling me a, a, a kind of cute story about how he actually ended up here. Well, I think when the Jews came, started to come to the Los Angeles area, they wanted to know where were the Jewish people right. going to settle. Right. So but it this, was Boyle but, Heights. But how he came here, uh, you said his, his... Oh, he came here <laughs> because he left Russia in the middle of the night because his girlfriend and her whole family had closed their left their business and went to Philadelphia. And so he followed her and ended up marrying her, and that was my grandmother. Right, and, and, I, and I, you said he, uh, she left in the middle of the night, and he followed her. And I said, did did she want him to follow her? Well, I never <laughs> asked that. <laughs> Hopefully, she did. I guess she did. Hopefully she married him. <laughs> married him and had four children, so I guess it's okay. Yeah. And they moved to Los Angeles and found out where the Jewish people ended up in Los Angeles, and it was Boyle Heights. And then he became a matriarch of the of our family and of the community and he started many agencies in 
in the community. Um, the, one the of the burial. things of the Jewish Burial Society mm-hmm. and Jewish Free Loan. And it was before we had a Jewish Federation, mm-hmm. way before that. So he and, was really one of the, the leaders, the groundbreakers in, in building up Boyle Heights as a Jewish community and created these entities that helped sustain it and grow it and make it uh, strong and, and, and uh, vibrant, right? And he did. Yeah. And when Hill, uh, Clinton was president, Hillary started a, um, an organization to find historical landmarks throughout the United States. And uh, one was the Breed Boy, Street nice. Shul, oh. which is the shul my grandfather was very active in. And it is now a historical landmark. And they hope to repair it and have it as a, a museum and activity center for the community, which is mostly Latin American community, Mexi- Mexican mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have an exhibit because it was a Japanese lived there, the Mexican community lived there. And the Jewish community, so they'll have an exhibit of the history of that community. Today, it's becoming an art community. Oh. It's a lot of artists are moving there and making their building their career uh, as artists there. And a lot of people don't know, but uh, Boyle Heights is in like downtown Los Angeles. Yeah, past yeah. about. Not far from that mainstream yeah. downtown Los yeah. Angeles. So it's really a new bustling community again. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so you said the um, one of the things he established was the, the free loan uh, entity that exists today, right? And, and so um, – and you were telling me they even do loans for things like in vitro, so to help uh, families have um, babies and – That's right. Uh, That's right. I mean – Help it, them in their business and in their lives totally for people that can't, that need the help and get a Jewish free loan. But from that, the whole, the Federation has grown to be very, very successful. Mm-hmm. And, now and the Federation was an offshoot of that or just a separate offshoot, entity? Oh, an offshoot. Picking it up, uh-huh. picking that up and building all the different agencies in the community. And um, now it's, now it is very strong in reaching out to the young people in our community mm-hmm. that have not had the opportunity to know what's going on in the Los Angeles community and getting them involved, and they're doing a really good job. And, you so. know, I just had a fertility doctor on the show uh, a couple weeks ago um, from CMD Fertility, uh, Dr. Catherine Dugarte, and, uh, who's Jewish from uh, uh, Romania. And I, I bet you a lot of young people don't even know that that's a service that the free loan uh, entity does is uh, that mm. that was surprising to me when you told me that they they do the loans for the in vitro I was that was surprising and and really I think that's kind of good information to get out there that uh, for people that were interested in doing that because it's a very expensive endeavor so I'm thinking what a wonderful it's today uh, it's about fifteen thousand dollars yeah to go through the whole thing right so I bet that could be really helpful to a lot of people of course of yeah. course and it gives gets more Jewish people. Yeah, absolutely. When I because was, there's 14 million Jewish people in, in the world, which is relatively small. And so I can see how that would be important to, uh, I, I understand why it's important for the culture to um, em- embrace your uh, past and perpetuate it with the children because mm-hmm. uh, it, it is a small community in essence. Uh, it might be large here in um, Los Angeles, but it, the world at large, it's something it's you really need community. to preserve and grow. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 
Um, and I know you've been very instrumental in that. You have like three areas I know that you really put your efforts into. And um, when we've talked about it, I know one of them is that you want to increase women's philanthropy, which is uh, very empowering to women to be able to give back. And uh, I know you were a real trailblazer in that arena um, in that you created this program called Women, Power, and Money. And tell me what entity that was with. Well, I just thought it would be a good idea to, to put together something where women can understand that they they have the responsibility of, of knowing where their money is coming from if they're married right. and be sure that they understand all the facets of it. And so I started the group called Women, Power, and Money. Mm-hmm. And was I that went, with the United Jewish Fund? That was through the uh, you know, Jewish Community Foundation. You, oh, Jewish Community Jewish Foundation. Jewish Community Foundation okay. is an organization in Los Angeles that they have branches all over the country. But mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, we people give money to the foundation in their name. It's their money. Mm-hmm. They give it. We invest it. And they can give it away as they want to give it away. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't touch the money mm-hmm. except we charge one and a half percent to manage the money, mm-hmm. and then from that the Jewish Community Foundation gives also money away, and so we are now almost one billion dollars of other people's money in our Jewish Community Foundation. That that strictly goes to helping good causes. Strictly goes to help all the causes that all the people that have their investments in our foundation choose to give to. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's what 360 Karma uh, Women is all about. It's about uh, giving back and paying it forward. And, you know, that's really what makes life so uh, fulfilling and joyful is is to give back. And so, Well, when I had the meetings, uh, I had attorneys, I had investment counselors, all kinds of people that would talk about how you find out and how you do best your money and the best way to do it. And some of the men weren't too happy with me, (laughs) but uh, that's okay. Yeah. As long as your husband was. I know he was supportive. He was always supportive. Always supportive. Yeah, it's good to have a supportive partner cheering you on. Uh, so that's great because we do need more men to support women uh, being uh, in positions of influence and decision making. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, is that women actually uh, are in charge of about 85 percent of the spending decisions. And so uh, it, it's interesting uh, because um, because they have that power to uh, run their households and decide where the money goes. Uh, it is important that they keep philanthropy on their radar because they are usually the ones deciding where the money goes to. That's right. Um, so, and, and back when you introduced it 20 years ago or so, um, it kind of was like women were taking a back seat to where the, uh, to philanthropy, right? And so you were trying to say, you know, you might be in this marriage and your husband's doing the money thing, but you can be proactive in saying, hey, let's put some of our money toward this or that good cause. And that's that's really what you were trying to accomplish. In the last right? 20 years, you now see women head of federations and head of foundations. And it's it's a different world today. Right. A much different world today. Yeah. And, and so we want to reach these women and, and help women to encourage them to go out there, be involved in the community, yeah. find out what interests you. What what turns you on to want to become a volunteer? Right, we've had so many um, 
nonprofits uh, here on the show, uh, like Elaine Hall, who uh, does the um, Miracle Project that helps kids with autism. Unbelievable And project. then we've had on Deborah Lessey, who helps women of domestic violence uh, have reconstructive surgery at no charge because they can't afford it. That's called Face Forward. And all these organizations that uh, really are started and run by women. And uh, as women, we need to get behind them to get behind their causes and help them build those entities. And so that's why it's so important. But uh, by by putting some of our monies into these good causes, um, we're making a difference. And uh, it does perpetuate a goodness that comes back to us. And so there, there's just, there's no downside to being a philanthropist. No, None. it's, it's, it's yeah. very fulfilling. I think that as you're talking, I'm thinking about that the organizations that I have helped start that I've brought a lot of women in, and they now are Thriving. powerful women, and they've done wonderful things, and they continually say, you did it, you did it, Annette, but I didn't do it. They did it. They picked up on the idea of being a volunteer and getting getting in leadership roles, and I'm just so proud to, to be there to be some kind of an influence. I wrote a book on... Annette Shapiro, professional volunteer, and I myself go and refer to the book, and I hear people so often refer to the book for because it's got a how-to in the book, and it's it's. I have had a lot of fun doing what I'm doing. So really, we're talking about two things. Uh, one is uh, your book, The Professional Volunteer, talks about how and why to be a volunteer, and the other part is the fundraising. And you've been very instrumental in both. And uh, I think, uh, you know, there are quite a few people, it's hard to believe, sitting on the sidelines, not jumping in, really finding what it is that they want to help out with. But there's so many different causes. Like, pick one. Uh, you know? It's, it's unbelievable, like, especially the end of the year. Yes. I mean, I am getting so much mail for causes. Yeah. And every, because of tax everything is good. And yeah. Everything is good. Everything is doing, doing they're doing wonderful things. But we have to pick and choose what is important to right, us. Right. And on along the line, for me, it was the Federation was important to me, Jewish mm -hmm. Federation. And then our son became a diabetic when he was 16. Mm -hmm. And I realized at that point I must go to the American Diabetes Association. And I became very, very involved in the American Diabetes Association and ended up on a national committee in Washington and, and then um, I know you also were instrumental in helping uh, develop a, a diabetic research uh, uh, segment at uh, City of Hope. Which well, yes, because the director, um, the director that came to work for the City of Hope, came from Jocelyn Clinic, which is a diabetic hospital in Boston. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, the three couples, said, sat down with him and said. You know, you know diabetes. There's no diabetes in the City of Hope. Could you possibly bring some of your people and let's get diabetes on the map at the City of Hope? And today, it's a very plays a very important part in diabetes because they monitor islet cell transplant for diabetic patients, and there are people that have had islet cell transplant at the insulin-producing islets. They've had that implanted, and they are on a less amount or no insulin for a year. It's not a cure. 
Right. It's but only, that's a huge advancement. It's not a cure, but it yeah. is an advancement. And you lost your son to diabetes, and which is son, why this is your cause, I right? I hoped that that would be able to be yeah. cured by before, but that unfortunately nice. it didn't. But at least, um, you know, out of uh, the tragedies we have in our life, it sometimes puts us in a direction to uh, make a difference. And had that's not happened with your son, you probably wouldn't have gotten City of Hope to develop this entire that's right. uh, department that's focused on on that because they're really known for their cancer research. That's right. So thanks to your efforts and them, uh, you know, coming into developing that and now this uh, advancement where people can get off the insulin and, and we're certainly making some strides. Uh, oddly enough, that wouldn't have happened had you not pursued that. So, well, you, know, you know, therein we, we all lies think some about good that. out of uh, what happened. Yeah. yeah. And uh, wonderful uh, for his legacy that you've done that good work. So, yeah. um, so I know I wanted to, um, you know, obviously your philanthropy comes from your grandfather, who was obviously a very philanthropic, generous person, and it just kind of perpetuated into your family. It and seems. then my father and and our family and my cousin and her family, and they, we just sort of like became very, very, very involved and found where we wanted to be involved. In fact, I met my husband at a City of Hope dance. Oh, my gosh. It was called the Junior Sportsman's. It was a young group uh -huh. that started by the adult group. And uh, I met him at a dance at yeah. the, on Sunset Boulevard at the Hollywood Athletic Club. Oh, right, right. And we're on Sunset right, Boulevard right, today. Not far from where <laughs> we are today. So um, I was involved, we were involved in the City of Hope in the very early days as his family was involved in the City of Hope. I didn't know them, but, and my family was involved in the City of Hope. And then from that went a lot of other things that I then became involved in after that. Yeah. But, um, you know, I love what I do. I enjoy it. I get great satisfaction. And people say, I'm 86 years old. Aren't you getting tired? No. What am I going to do with myself? <laughs> I love I it. I want to do it. I no, like you, to do you, it. No, you're still making a difference every day. Uh, so I know your focuses have been um, uh, the Jewish community and the diabetes and, and helping women become philanthropists. So really, you know, I, I know you always say, you know, pick something that really uh, makes your heart sing or speaks to you in some way. Uh, and, and that's what you've done. And that's good advice. Um, the other thing is that... Um, uh, I was going to say it would be helpful to tell people how you do your fundraising because uh, I think that's something that really escapes people. Like some of the most wonderful people are starting nonprofits, but they were like, where do I begin? How do I fundraise? And I, I know you have a few things you wanted to share about that, that. Well, I think that fundraising is an art, that you just don't sit down with somebody and quickly ask them for money. Right. You build a relationship. You find out what interests them. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you begin to work on it. And um, I can tell you of a very successful experience that I had, that there is a woman in the community that is very, very generous. And I, I'm involved in an organization called Bet Teshuvah. Mm -hmm. It is the only Jewish organization in the world that is the 12-step program in the study of Torah. Mm -hmm. And we also are non-sectarian. We take non-Jews as well. And anybody that walks up our steps, anybody that want help, 
we will help them. We don't turn anybody away. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, this woman was very active in the community, giving a lot of money. And I said, you know, why don't you come and see what we're doing at Betashuva? She says, I would love to come. And so she came, and we met with her, and we told her all about what we're doing. But before she came, I sent her. I knew I was going to solicit her, and she knew I was going to solicit her. And I sent her all the information, but I didn't send her anything for a large amount, a really large amount. And so when we were sitting there talking, and she's, what do you, what's your desire? What do you want to do? Well, I said to myself, Annette, are you going to tell her, really? Go tell her. Do it. What can she do? That's the other thing you got to remember. Don't be afraid Don't to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. Right. Don't be afraid. So I said, okay, do it. So I asked her for help us buy the building next door to us. And she said, you know, I think my husband would have liked to do to do something like that. And the building was $3 million. And she says, I'll give you $3 million to buy the building next That's door. That's great. I love that story. That's and awesome. And so we were all very, very oh excited. Gosh. Very yeah. excited. But that began a whole chain of an or of, of a campaign mm-hmm. and where we raised ten million dollars oh to take that building, remodel it, make it a multipurpose synagogue and multipurpose building, and connected it to our present facility, mm-hmm. which was right next door. And it's changed the whole program of what we do. And we we help people in recovery from drugs, alcohol, eating disorder, sex, Mm -hmm. any kind. Gambling is Mm -hmm. very, very big. Mm -hmm. Any kind of addiction. That's wonderful. And they could be there from six months to a year. Wow. And so some can afford to pay. Most cannot afford to pay. Right. So we fundraise. And, and, you know, I really, I don't know. One other thing you mentioned to me earlier was... Just uh, when you're fundraising, just be authentic. And I think with being authentic is that uh, people are afraid to ask people for money, but they don't realize that uh, people, um, especially if they have um, a substantial amount of money, they want to put money into good causes. And so if you really are doing something that really makes a difference, like this recovery center that really does help people with all these addictions that otherwise couldn't afford it, That's right. uh, then they want to put their money toward good things. And so that's why they shouldn't be afraid to ask for it. For sure. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Just feel, be yourself, feel comfortable with what you're doing. Know what you're, what you're asking for. Right. And know if it's something that's important to them. That's right. Right. That's right. Know, knowing your audience. Yeah. Knowing your audience. And yeah, what they care about. Yeah, one person might care about... Uh, addiction, another might care about domestic abuse or, or trafficking diabetes or, or diabetes or autism, but knowing what matters to them. What matters to them, yeah. that's right. And there's so many people in the world. Uh, each person has different passions and, and, and things that are important to them for different reasons. They may you have know, had an autistic child or they might have had a, a son like you that has diabetes or they might, you know, um, have a specific religious, you know, uh, cause. So it, it, that makes perfect sense to know who you're who you're uh, talking well, to. Part of part of this whole effort is meeting wonderful people. 
Yeah. You meet wonderful, like meeting you. Thank you. Meeting wonderful people. I'm really happy to be part of your program. I think it's so important for women to feel good about themselves and do something in life that's worthwhile other than shopping and all that kind of stuff. That's fun, too. But this is there's something very special when we see somebody recover from it. They, they're always in recovery. Right. But when they start a life and they start and flourishing, they succeed yeah. and they start flourishing and they go back to their child and their wife and their parents are now talking to them. And, yeah. and, and now they can give back to the community. So. And they do. Yeah. And they do. And they do. And, and it's, it's wonderful. Well, Annette, keep doing the amazing work you're doing. Uh, you're an inspiration to us all. And uh, thank you for sharing uh, the information you did. I hope it helps our listeners to do their fundraising for their nonprofit or their business. It was great advice. And uh, come back and see us. Oh, thank you very, very much, really. And uh, next up, we're going to have Brooke Mason, so stay tuned. The Live, Love, Thrive radio show is produced by 360karma.com. Are you a 360 Karma woman? If so, spread the word. Be sure to follow us on social media at 360 Karma Women on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like us and share us with family and friends. This is the year of the woman, and we are stronger together. The Live, Love, Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles, supporting the equality and empowerment of women. And we are back with Brooke Mason, celebrity photographer, fine artist. <laughs> Hi, Brooke. How are you? Hi. Thanks so much for having me on. You bet. And you how bet. do I compete with Annette Shapiro? Oh, my god. I mean, gosh. seriously, she's amazing. Isn't she awesome? I was so I, inspired by that, watching I, you in I the green room. When I grow up, I want to be like her. <laughs> Absolutely. Where do we sign up? <laughs> I know. I know. I want to be rocking in my 80s, 90s. Uh, I tell you what. Um, so anyway, you come from Australia. And that's right, Sydney. which is awesome. Mm-hmm. That's definitely on my bucket list. I want to go to Australia. Is it you have as wonderful to. as they say? It really is lovely. Yeah. yeah, it's really beautiful. I miss the food. I miss the people. Uh, the beaches. I grew up on the northern beaches, so I miss that part too. Nice. And I'm missing some of my accent. If you've noticed, <laughs> I don't have it all there anymore. It's a shame. But I, I don't know. I detect an accent there. <laughs> Not quite, babe. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, that's so funny. You don't think you have an accent. <laughs> it's, it's fading. It's been years. <laughs> so, how many years have you been in the states? Seventeen years. Oh my gosh, that yeah, is a long I, time. I pinch myself. Oh my yeah. gosh. Now you told me like. Uh, originally you left there you went first did, was it first to Asia no so I lived in New York a couple oh, in of New years York first yeah okay. and then um, you went to school there right yeah I went to school and yeah. then I did um, I graduate there and then I lived in Asia for a year I mean so were you studying photography there or? I did arts yeah yeah, yeah. but um, I was really shy Oh, that's hard to believe. <laughs> I really? I was really shy as a kid. Oh, my goodness. I was in the debating team, and I used to – my papers would shake, and I couldn't even speak in public. So, so um, I did a lot of theater, which was really good. I oh, think and that helped you to yeah, settle into definitely. it. You know, they say that uh, speaking uh, in public is like one of the top fears that people have. Like right? it's either – most people have one of these three, either public speaking, flying, uh-huh. or snakes. 
Yeah. yeah. Minus well, snakes. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, no imagine snakes. everyone's naked. Yeah. That doesn't really work. <laughs> you know how people say that? Yeah. Imagine they're all naked and you'll feel comfortable. Oh, no. I wouldn't no. feel comfortable with that. No, no. <laughs> Does that mean you're then naked too? Speak. That'd be worse. <laughs> <laughs> then I would see snakes. No. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> come regroup. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so you knew that you wanted to be a photographer from a very young yeah, age. Yes, since I was 12. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I was so passionate about it. So I did a, a BA in sociology, and um, I was just so passionate about people. Yeah, I mean, just really, really obsessed with shooting people and and dealing and looking at sociological issues and the dynamics between men and women, and and um, uh, just yin and yang, the the femininity, masculinity, um, yeah. and just you know, there's so much struggle in life. I think at that. For me as an individual, I had a lot of struggle with dealing with that energy, like the masculine energy within you and the feminine energy and how to balance that uh -huh. and then how other people interact with that. Right. So that's been a passion of mine. And uh, though sometimes my work gets seen as like too sexual or something, it's really not about sexuality at all. Um, you know, I use those uh, elements to highlight a point. So, so since you brought that up, mm. uh, so... Uh, you do commercial photography, like headshots. Right. celebrity and, and, work right, and celebrity advertising. Work. And, and then you also have your fine arts work right. where what you were just talking about, and we have some pictures of that, is um, your uh, feminine nude uh, photographs, right. um, which is sometimes are controversial. Right. And, and uh, I that, never that, I never planned for them to be, yeah, which yeah. is so funny. Which is kind of how we met. <laughs> yes. uh, the city of West Hollywood was putting on a big uh, event, an art show. Yes. And they had Maplethorpe with really provocative <laughs> nude men's pictures, right? Yes. And then juxtaposition, your feminine nude photographs right. that got taken down. Because it was controversial, right? There was a big brouhaha right, to have the, right. naked women in, People in the were city offended. of West Hollywood, <laughs> which is a very progressive city, so it's kind of unusual they would have an uh, uproar. Not, not to say everyone had an uproar about it, but somebody did, and they took them down, and, right? And yeah. So, it's always, it, well, it's always interesting to me is that, say, one person says, I don't like it, but 10 people or a, who knows – 50 people might say, I love it, but because the one person says, I don't like it or I'm offended, it gets right. taken down. And that right. was hurtful. Yeah. Um, that was a because yeah. they were the decision maker or whatever. Well, you know, people are scared of uh, conflict and, and what, what controversy. Do you, why do you think that they wanted those pictures taken down? Did they find it offensive? Did, you know, how come there were pictures of naked men up, but it wasn't okay to have them of, of nude women? Like, what was the. What was well, the reasoning? Was there a reason? Whatever the deep reason is, I'll never really know. Yeah. Um, but things I was told is that they just felt that it was inappropriate or, you know, I mean, breast. Uh, but wait, the, but the provocative nudity. men's pictures were not offensive. Yes, and that I will never really understand. Well, <laughs> That's a whole double standard. It's an standard, dynamic uh, <laughs> in the country, in the world, but probably especially in the U.S. Because I know you yeah. said in Australia, uh, this feminine. Uh, the feminism thing is is not as controversial as here right. in the U.S. Right. Yeah. And it, especially with everything that's going on culturally, politically right now, it seems like there's even more of an emphasis on 
this yes. this male yes. female friction, you know. Yes, the, and, and we we discussed that. I remember at one point about the word feminism. It, I don't know where it became a bad word. Um, to me, it's not. It's about uh, you know feminine uh, energy in strength and females doing what they want or using their strength and power. And it. And but wait, are you saying using your strength and power like for the good? Well, or, well, yeah, right. I mean, it should yeah. be for the good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we shouldn't do that for yeah. any uh, negative reason. But I have that piece, Glass Ceiling, and that piece uh, w- got taken down. That piece was um, removed from an exhibit uh, because someone felt it was inappropriate. And uh, there was uh, her breast is shown, so there was a bit of nipple showing in that, so that was really taboo. Um, you know, we, so do some women find it offensive for you to show uh, nude women? Do they think that that's, uh, you know, taboo or anything? Or, or do people appreciate it as art? Or are you getting kind of some of both, I would think? You know, uh, I've had some. I mean, I've exhibited a lot. This year's been a really good year. Yeah. Um, I've been in 14 exhibits this year. Uh, it's been a busy one. And so I have had different reactions from different people. And unfortunately, I have had reactions from women. uh, And I had another female artist ask me, uh, how do I feel about objectifying women? I was stunned. Right, because you don't feel that at all. You feel like it's art, obviously. Uh, Yes. Beautiful art. That was was really, I've I've never, I mean, you know, Yes, I, I didn't understand that, that just concept. Just goes to show all. perception is everything. So, right. Yeah. Right. It's not perception is not reality. It's right. perception. Yeah. And you know, in life, if you're doing something that's a little controversial or it's poking people uh, or you know touching trigger points on them, well, then maybe you're doing something good because right. art should provoke some kind of emotion right. and uh, you know whether negative or positive. So otherwise, nobody would be talking about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so right. we were talking about yeah, it. That's right. A good right. Thing. <laughs> and and what is it about uh, showing these provocative pictures uh, that are beautiful art? What is it that – does that make you feel empowered? Does it make you feel like you're doing something good for women to show um, their beauty? Or what is it that you're trying to evoke from people uh, with that beautiful work? Well, each image has its own layers of uh, uh, philosophical points that I'm making. Okay. Uh, you know, on on a broad scope, you know, I'm really influenced by in uh, Greek mythology and the great masters, and just the body as a form, as you know, the way light hits the naked body, and and I look at my works as paintings, and that right. they're art directed scenes, and that I've photographed. It's almost like being a lazy painter, <laughs> you know, yeah. because I see it that way. I see them as these paintings, and their scenes depicted. You know, there were things happening before and you have to sort of look at what happened before and then the moments happen after. And this is one moment in time that I've captured. So I see it that way. I don't really see it as um, a sexual thing or what have you. I mean, you know, you go to the museums and, you know, the Statue of David is naked and, you know, the great masters of all the beautiful, robust women naked and it's just stunning. So I just as an artist love the human form in whatever way it shows up. Right. That, that's a good reason to be doing it. And um, <laughs> one of the things I've always loved about photography and film is exactly what you just said. I love that you can capture a moment in time forever. To me, that's magic. Right. And I you mean, are, you yeah. were in this business. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I was a photographer, yes. uh, and I started young like you did. I was like 14, and Amazing. I, I went on a trip actually to California from the East Coast and with my first camera and took some pictures, and uh, I had people say, these are really incredible pictures, and I was like, really? And I, <laughs> and I was great. like, wow, you know, this must be my uh, calling or whatever, yeah. and then I eventually went into for, um, filmmaking, but uh, I've always loved photography and film, and I do love that you can capture a moment forever. I mean, where would we be without uh, our photographs? Uh, to me, that's the most valuable things, mm -hmm. especially like of people who have come and gone and that we miss. You know, what, what would it be if you didn't have a photograph of that person? Or uh, when we look at photographs of memories, think about how they pop up on Facebook, and you're like, oh my God, that was three years ago. It popped right. up on Facebook memory. Yes, and yes. that picture picture takes you back to that moment in time where you're like, oh my God, I remember the joy of that <laughs> moment or that celebration or, you know, and so we, without photography, life would be so unusual, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think uh, photography and film help educate people right. and help people look at things differently. And so it's a very powerful medium. Which is a good point because if I I do see my works as paintings and but they they're not. They're you know they're photography. And so I believe that if they were paintings that I wouldn't have had probably the controversial reaction that I had um, yeah. through West Hollywood and getting censored and, and all these kinds of things because, uh, you know, a painting is a little removed. And right. a photograph, you're, that's what I love about photography is that we're really connected to it. You're connected to that piece on a, on a hu in a human way. You know, there, it, you're really in it more right. so than just a painting. Right, yeah. Which is something I love about it. Right. Uh, yeah. Now, you do commercial photography, too. I know that right. you do celebrity photography. Like right. You've done some actors from House of Cards and mm -hmm. Vanderpump Rules and various mm -hmm. TV shows. Mm -hmm. Do you love that side of the business, too? It's different. Uh, you know, I feel that it... it it fills a different void for me. I mean, my art and, and the philosophical issues and things I, I like to express. And then there's the commercial world. And that's just a whole different game. You know, it's um, I as I an like artist, you almost have to probably do that, like, to, you know, to uh, sustain yourself, I would think, is, is to have that commercial photography as well. Which right. Is that's great true. that photography that's has true. these different facets. Yes, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I can be one thing and do many, many uh, avenues of it. Uh, I think it comes with its own uh, stress and, and, you know, but it's kind of fun to be the lady boss on yeah. set. And, uh, you know, you have makeup, the stylist, the, the PR team, the management, you have the, the celebrity and, and you have everyone. And, and it's really just overseeing everything and making the, sure the ship runs smooth on the day of the shoot. And so it can be, it's really high stress and it's really, uh, fast paced and, and that adrenaline of it, I love. Yeah. It's addictive, actually. Now, not surprising, uh, you started off as uh, a model behind I did the modeling. camera. Yeah. I mean, in front of the well, camera. Well, yeah, in between, like yeah. as a teen, yeah, and then yeah. into my 20s a little bit. And, and you yeah. did that uh, in Asia and whatnot? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, Sydney and then in Asia. Um, it really wasn't for me, but I like having that experience now. Yeah, because now you have the experience of the models that you shoot. Right. You have that experience of having been on that side of the camera, which a lot of photographers never have that experience. So I think that's right. kind of unique. 
Yeah, yeah, that that part's nice. Yeah, I'm just way too impatient to be photographed. I don't. <laughs> I really not. I just and you know the the shy part, the little girl part of me comes out, and I just don't really want to. I rather be the one making someone feel good. And uh, yeah. you know, it. it uh, I think we were talking uh, uh, a while ago about that. It's just you know the philanthropic side of me, and it, you know I really feel that. I'm doing something really great for people when they have images that perhaps they would have never gotten before or they have right. that moment, they have that image forever that is just stunning of themselves and they love. And it's just an awesome feeling. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a work of art. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so having been a model and now working with models and other people, it must give you a great sensitivity to work with them. You know, because you then know how they're feeling and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. as a model, you you've experienced um, the creepy photographer and and uh, you know, or the real. Are we allowed to swear on here? <laughs> <laughs> the real so and so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll call it that, shall yeah, we? Yeah, so and so. We know we know what that means. Yeah. Um, and so it's really important to me that that no matter what happens and how frustrated or any technical issues go on or you know things that. You know, nothing always goes smoothly. Um, I mean, well, you hope it does, but not always. And yeah. just not letting the talent see it. Right. And so Keeping they, them calm and cool yeah, so, and collective. Yeah, it's a little bit yeah. like psychology and, and making sure they feel really good at all times yeah. and that they don't know anything else that's going on. I would think women would prefer working with women. You know. Right. Well, yeah. And yeah. then there's that safety factor. They know that, yeah. that, you know, there's no agenda. You make them feel at ease. Right. You've been on the other side yourself. I would think they'd feel a comfort in that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it takes out the creep factor. <laughs> 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 but um, but male models are funny. I, I see I actually work with about 50 50. Mm-hmm. So I probably work with about half female, half men. And uh, male models can be quite divas. I mean, uh-huh. they're, they're, they can yeah. be really vain, I have to say. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, really? I mean, seriously, <laughs> this is way too much. Yeah, it's not a gender thing, right? <laughs> no, yeah. no, they could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it seems like you love what you do. I do. Yeah. I really do. Like, is there anything else that you could be doing? Because I always say when somebody has a calling and a passion, it's like, it, it, it almost feels like there, there's, there's nothing else they could be doing because they love it so much. And it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a talent. Yeah. yeah it, well, you know, I'm reading this book right now, uh, Mindset, by C- Carol Dweft. I think mm-hmm. Dweft, that's her last name. And I have to say, it's not just about talent. I mean, that book is an amazing book about just how many athletes and everything maybe weren't the best at it. I don't always feel like I'm the best. I'm always just trying to get better and I'm in competition with myself all the time and as an I think we we talked about this one time as an artist you know you go through your ups and downs and there's times right there's times that you're really struggling and you don't know how you'll make the rent and what have you you don't know when the next job's coming in and it's freelance it's tricky but something exciting that I just started is my new uh, creative branding agency. Yeah, you um, told me about that. Yeah, so yeah. mcreative. That's cool. LA.com is the, is the website. And so this is a great way for me to stay on with clients yeah. and work with them in a branding aspect and see them grow. Yeah, because you were saying grow. Uh, that when you take a photograph or headshots, you, you do it and then they move on. But right, this never allows you again. to continue the relationship. Yeah. So now you uh, have a branding agency where not you do the photographs for their website, for their social media, and for everything, all the marketing. For everything, yeah. And we do and their branding as well. And you help build well. the website. We help build their brand and social creatively media. 
yeah, through every avenue and just really sit down and, and consult about what they need to do to move forward. Because I've just now been in this business 15 years and it's, you know, I've, I've done this with a lot of clients on the side. So it's yeah. exciting. So I'm really excited. You felt like, oh, <laughs> that my makes... little babies grow. <laughs> yeah. So that's like your next, next natural uh, growth area. Progression, is, yeah. Yeah, progression is to to do their website, their social media, their photography, and how that all ties in. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Because it's someone visual. that has a good artistic eye, um, it seems like it, that all blends into branding and social media and marketing and all that. So that makes right. perfect sense that you would be doing that. Yeah, yeah. thank What you. kind of clients do you work with? Well, uh for the for my agency, for, yeah. Uh, well, it's boutique, so yeah. a lot of local businesses uh -huh. and individuals. Yeah. So it's really making someone who doesn't know, you know, it's hard as an individual, and you want to expand and you want to become a bit of a name for yourself. Um, where do you start? What do you do? So, and I mean, most people, um, they're passionate about their business, right? But they have no marketing skills. They don't know mm -hmm. how to build a website or do the social media or all of those things. So I always think it's always good to have an expert in that area help you build that part of your business so you can focus on what it is you do best whether you're a, a, a dentist or uh, you know your your designer shop, pizza or, place right, whatever right doctor um you got to focus on that yeah and you've so, got to make the money yeah, yeah. <laughs> let someone else take care yeah. of the branding so they need creative a, a, a brook to take care of the rest <laughs> right yeah right so you're that person that can help them with all of that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a, a, it makes perfect sense for you to expand into that arena because if you have an artful eye, uh, obviously that carries over into branding and marketing mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. So yeah. that's cool. So where from here? What, what do you? What, what's on your agenda? Do you, are you putting on a new art show or anything like that? Well, I just started working on my next series. Um, so I have a series that will be coming out in 2018. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds like a long way away, but actually it takes me about a year to finish a series. Wow. And uh, it's a lot of work and a lot of research and study that goes involved, uh, goes into it. Each piece is, mm -hmm. is, a, is quite layered. <laughs> Can you so. tell us like the theme of that or? Um, I think, you know, I'm going to keep most of it secret um, yeah. at this point, uh, but I did start working on the self-portrait already. I usually start with that because oh. that's like the headstone of all the rest of the work. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, there'll be something to do with like the sacrifices that we make, you know, in in life uh, for ourselves within our inner circle and family into society. So like when you say a sacrifice, like like give me an example. Ah, uh, well, then I would be getting too uh, far into the work now. <laughs> That sounds very fascinating. I like Thank that. Thank you. Yeah. 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 So you've intrigued us. No, good. Yeah. <laughs> but again, so, I'll be tapping into Greek mythology, Roman mythology, and great masters with, with a lot of my research. I love that. Um, we're getting ready to wrap up here. I only have uh, one other thing I'd like to ask yeah, you about sure. because uh, I know you told me your parents have been together 40 years. They uh, just celebrated their 40th anniversary. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I know my parents were together 55 years. We were talking about how yeah. people get together, you know, back. <laughs> the day they'd get together when they were like 18 or 20 they right. really got married young and so uh, we don't have that advantage now but um, <laughs> so I know you're kind of looking for your partner and uh, <laughs> that's where I'm going with oh, this no! Brooke. <laughs> so uh, what, what do you think would be a good fit because you're a very uh, dynamic strong woman so what do you think is a, a, a good fit for you to have that long-term partner like uh, oh goodness this is making me blush uh, um you know, it's it's 
I definitely find it a challenge because I really enjoy someone who's also really strong. Right. You know, I, I think so, there's nothing wrong with two strong yeah, people being together. I, I know I love that's my that. case. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love that. I, re- I, I need to respect and admire my partner and, and just be like, they're awesome. <laughs> you yeah, know? totally. And, and just, you know, so strength and, and also really intelligent and, um, you know, because... Intelligence goes a long way in my book. Yeah, and humor. You like humor? Yeah, of course. That yeah. yeah, I guess humor because it just goes along with intelligence. I yeah, love got, stand-up you, you comedy. Know, you got to make that list of what you. <laughs> uh, yeah, my girlfriend told me to make a list. She that's said it. she made a list and and uh, she met her husband now that, seven yeah. years in three months. Yeah, that's what makes it happen. Get that list going, girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you do a list? I did. You did. I did. I it love works. That. It works. It works. So, so now, my, now my now my radio show is a dating show. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, somebody would be so lucky to meet oh. such a beautiful person. Uh, keep doing the beautiful work you're doing. Oh, I love so your sweet. photography. It's really special. It's really superb. And I look forward to your next show. And uh, I hope people reach out to have you help them, uh, you know, create their branding and their uh, marketing vision, because I know you're a great partner in that. So thank you so much. And really, thank you, Catherine, for having me on the show. It's been a real pleasure. You're amazing. Thank you. Back at (laughs) you. And we will be back next week uh, with Live, Love, Thrive, another amazing women. And uh, just make it a great week. Uh, Hugs and happiness. The Live, Love, Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles, supporting the equality and empowerment of women. The Live, Love, Thrive radio show is produced by 360karma.com. Are you a 360 Karma woman? If so, spread the word. Be sure to follow us on social media at 360 Karma Women on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like us and share us with family and friends. This is the year of the woman, and we are stronger together.